right, I'm excited to bring the word tonight because I really do feel like I have a teaching to do tonight that the Lord has laid on my heart these last couple of days. And uh, Brother Conrad, there is something like ringing right up here, if you could maybe track that down. Um, turn to Leviticus tonight. Man, pastors in Leviticus, what is up with that? It's probably half of you are thinking. And uh, what, what pastor is trying to do, thank you, Conrad. What pastor's trying to do is um, read through the Bible this year. And I want to encourage you that if you've, if you've started that before, because I'll, be, I'll be completely honest with you tonight. I've started um, one-year reading Bible plans, and about two months into it, I'm off track, or I'm in another chapter, or I'm all the way in the New Testament. And what I've found that is if I get off track to keep myself on track, I just catch back up to where I should be, and I don't feel guilty about it. Amen? But I've been uh, in Leviticus and just reading some of these passages, and I kind of got stuck here recently of just looking this over. And if how many know that if, if God says something once, it's important? Every word of God is important. If God says it twice, it's imperative, right? If God says it three times, you better pay attention to what he is saying in that passage because it is very important. So I began to think about why this was in there three times and why God brought this out. And my title tonight is just simply, Keep Your Fire Going. Amen? Amen. Keep the fire going. How many understand and know that it's the tendency of fire to go out? It just is. That is in the natural, and that is also in the spiritual that God wants to set our lives and our hearts spiritually on fire for him. And if we take that seriously, I believe we're in a season where God is brooding and hovering and giving us space for grace so that he can do something really significant. I've preached on the fire, I think, way when I first got here, maybe first year. And then I preached on it back in October when I preached at the uh, Young Adults Conference, Youth Conference there at Calvary. And so it's something that's been in my heart and on my mind. When I came to this place in Leviticus, they used to call me back in my teen years the fire master. We used to have a lot of fires and a lot of campouts. And I did a lot of crazy things with fire. But my family called me that for one simple reason. We, I grew up in the snowy white north. Anybody else there? Yeah, in the snowy white north. I grew up in Ohio, and it got very cold, really cold. Much colder than what we experienced this morning. And to be honest, this fire thing has kind of been on my mind because it really has been cold the last couple mornings. And I think my blood is thin from living in the south now for 20 years. I can't handle it like I used to. And I know some of you Flinty Michigan folk and other folk who come down here and you've just been delivered from that cold weather, you're laughing probably at me now and rolling your eyes, and I don't blame you. But when I was young... We, I decided that I was going to move down into our lower level basement part of the house. My older, oldest brother moved out and uh, went and moved and was going to school and working. And uh, so I took over the downstairs. One of the things I loved about the downstairs was that it was kind of away from everybody and private. So I kind of, even as a teen, I almost had my own man cave. Come on, man, that's a good thing, right? Love a good man cave. But it had, one, and it wasn't an open fireplace, it was one of the old potbelly stoves that actually has the little cooking part on it. So in other words, it wasn't open, 
it was one of those deals. I don't remember ever cooking anything on it, but I did love to start a fire in there. And what I learned very quickly is that a nice, warm, glowing fire, and, you know, I'd get it going really well, and I would take and turn and shut that, and it would go for quite often during the night, but I did notice, and here's the thing. I would sleep out on the couch so that if it started to get cold again, I knew what was happening. The fire was starting to go out. But the cool thing was, is, as we all know, if you still have some embers in there, if you still have a little something that you can take good wood, I'm not talking about green wood or wood that is going to throw in there and put the fire lower. I'm afraid some of us have been putting green wood on our spiritual fire. I think some of us have been putting some things that don't belong there. But if you'll get good wood, I'm talking about how many northerners know what good wood, seasoned wood. The, the other thing was I had to split my own wood. That was not fun, right? We didn't have one of the fancy wood splitters, Miss Dan. We, we, we split wood ourselves. And because I was the fire lover, nobody else in the house. Everybody else had nice heat. I don't know why downstairs of all places, because heat obviously rises, why it got so cold down there. But I want to talk to you about in Leviticus right here that we're going to look at is simply that God commands us and tells them in Leviticus, don't let the fire go out. And as we'll read this, you'll see that three times he says to them, don't let the fire go out. Everybody say, don't let the fire go out. Very important. Leviticus 6. Did I tell you the chapter yet? Leviticus 6. Take your time. I know some of you are. I memorized the first three books of the Bible just because it, it's G-E-L, jail. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right? That's how I started learning that when I first gave my heart to the Lord. I love to hear those pages turn. That's a good sound. Amen? Look at verse 9 with me. Leviticus 6, verse 9. Give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. That's two times that God mentions this. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must keep burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Father, for these next few moments and minutes as we study your word, Lord, as always, I just acknowledge my complete and total trust and help on your Holy Spirit. God, I ask and pray that you would help me communicate your word effectively and, and with the intention that it, it is desired, that you would set a fire deep down in our hearts and our souls, that if, Lord, there are just embers there tonight, God, I pray you fan to flame the fire, the spiritual fervency that is within us because, Lord, we see your command and we take serious your command that we are to be red hot on fire for you because, Lord, you are a consuming fire. So, God, we pray tonight you consume anything that's of us and that what remains is of the Holy Spirit, God, tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said. Amen. You know, as I studied this, I began to think about the different offerings in Leviticus that they were told to offer. The first one that we just mentioned was the burn offering. Everybody say burn offering. And no, that's not your wife's cooking tonight. <laughs> I thought you'd get a kick out. I'm glad Leo's not in here. 
In Hebrew, it's called Ola, not Hola, Ola. And it means to ascend. So the thought there is the whole offering is the burnt offering, the whole offering is consumed. And what ascends to God, they were even commanded to take those coals and to place it before the Holy of Holies so that there would continually be something ascending. It was an acknowledgement and a spiritual implication that the prayers would continually be offered for the people of God in the Old Testament continually. But it's simply this, and everybody say devotion. The burnt offering is an act of devotion to God. And it says to God, God, all of me is devoted to you and completely consumed by you. Second one, I'm not going to be long on these. I just want you to know some of the different offerings, is a grain offering. And this is a Thanksgiving offering that they would offer, and they would burn part, and then they would offer part to the priests who were performing their duties. The third one was a peace offering, and this is a fellowship offering. So it was an offering also that part was burnt, part was offered, and part was given to the priest, and actually part of the peace offering was consumed by the person that was bringing it. The fourth offering is the sin offering and also the guilt offering. So those were kind of interchangeable in that the sin offering was obviously for the sins of the people, but the guilt offering was for, so that's for intentional sins, right? The guilt offering was for unintentional sins, and we all have lived this where we did something in the moment that later on the Holy Spirit will bring to our conscience and bring to our heart. And even though at the moment we didn't know it was sinful, we have a guilty conscience for that. So they, God made an allowment for that right here for the burn offering. But what I want to talk about tonight is the fact that if God says three times, I want you to keep this burning, I want you to keep this fire going, and if it's the tendency of fire naturally to go out... It means that if God lights a fire in us and he desires to and he wants to, it's so that we can then work with him to keep the fire going. Oftentimes, we don't think that we have a part to play in keeping the spiritual fervency and fire going. But can I tell you tonight, we have a part to play in it. There's things that we can do, and I want to look at that tonight. But let me give you a few quick things of why this is so important to God. If God said it here three times and then all throughout the Old Testament, we look at, I will look at examples tonight of people who let the fire go out, even in the temple, and what the ramifications of that were in the natural. And we can take that and put it in the spiritual and say, okay, if I become a cold Christian without God's flame and fire burning in my heart, what is it that happens to me? And I just want to say tonight, it can be very dangerous to let our fire go out. It can be very dangerous to let our fervency for the Lord wane. It can be very dangerous for us to not heed places like this where God was so adamant about, listen, I do not want you to let this fire go out. And we see examples in the New Testament that we'll point out. But number one tonight, so the question I presented myself, God, this is important to you. These are the types of offerings. The burnt offering was very important because you didn't want the fire to go out. So, Lord, why was this to be kept burning? Number one, the fire was to be kept burning because fire is a symbol of total commitment. Everybody say commitment tonight. Notice this. There was nothing to be left of the sacrifice that was being made in this instance. It was if... God is speaking to them then and speaking us to us through the Old Testament 
of simply saying, you, when you offer to God your entire life, God is serious about us offering everything to him, not going half in and half out and cold or lukewarm. He wants us to be hot and fervent and on fire for him because it's a symbol and it's a sign that we are to be completely devoted and committed to him. You know, it's interesting to me as I study this out, I know many of you know this, but just for the sake of somebody who may not, they offered two offerings in those days. They offered the morning sacrifice, which was around 9 a.m., and then they would offer what they called the evening sacrifice, which was roughly right around 3 in the afternoon. There are a couple of just interesting side notes about those particular offerings. In Luke 1, when Zechariah finally gets to see the consolation of Israel, he gets to meet Messiah, right? He is so excited. That is what his lot fell to go in and do, was to do this very thing, to offer the burnt offering. So that was 9 o'clock in the morning. Then they would offer one later on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The interesting thing about that, as a side note, is that is when Christ actually died on the cross. It was late in the afternoon, around the time of the evening. God does everything perfectly. You guys know that? There's so much beauty in the Old Testament and the New Testament and seeing Christ fulfilled through the things that God gave us in the Old Testament. It's amazing and beautiful. And, and here's simply what I want to say. His love his sacrifice, what he gave us on the cross. The reason it can light a fire in us is because when you look at the example of Jesus, he held nothing back on the cross. If he gave our all for us, then we should be those who give our all for him. Everybody say commitment again. The reason fire was so important to God and the reason it alludes back to this particular scripture in the Old Testament is that if we live every day, I'm not talking about just on Sundays, come on. I'm not talking about just on Wednesday night if you're one of the faithful Wednesday night people. I'm talking about God has an expectation that we would offer to him and give to him everything morning, noon, and night. Morning sacrifices and evening sacrifices. Why is this so important in a believer's life? It's so important in a believer's life for this very reason. When I live my life not just giving God praise on Sunday morning for an hour or two and not just coming on Wednesday nights and hearing a a sermon for 30 minutes and praising for 20 or whatever it may be, when you begin to live your life that's completely committed, completely totally, your life will begin to change. And the change that you'll begin to experience is the fire of God beginning to manifest in your life. You will. The, the way I kind of look at it is a compass. And when you're living your life by the word of God and the fire of God and the presence of God, and you start your day with offering to him and saying, God, I don't know what the day holds, but I know whatever the day holds, it's in your hand and you're going to help me through it. You can know that whatever you walk through that day has already been offered up to God. Are you following me? And the thing about it is, is offering to God morning and evening, offering to God more than just a couple days a week, but literally understanding that he wants us to lay our lives completely down in adoration and worship to him is simply what it does is it's like a compass. And it calibrates you spiritually and you begin to head in the direction that God desires for you. But I want to point something out. If you're following a compass and it's off by one degree and you have a long journey, and I got news for some of you here tonight, the Christian life is a long journey. It really is. One of the the most helpful things that I think God ever did for me as a very young Christian, and I volunteered 
to work at a Ralph Bell crusade. Ralph Bell worked for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. We were a very small town, but we had churches that wanted to reach our community. So we didn't get Billy Graham. We got Ralph Bell. Ralph Bell was phenomenal. I sat, I was ushering and helping people get their seats and doing things that I was needed, but I was listening to what the man said. And he said, if I would have understood when I became a Christian that it's not a sprint, that it's a marathon, he said it really would have changed. And let me tell you this, it is a marathon. But God has given us his spirit and he has given us his word to keep us pointed true north. Offering to God and being completely laid down and committed to him will keep you pointed towards his purposes, his presence, and his power in your life. And when you're pointed in the right direction, if you are off one degree but it's a long journey, guess what? You're going to end up at the wrong destination by just being off one degree. Does that make sense tonight? Why is it so important to continually offer to God and lay everything down to God? Because I have found in my own life when I don't do that and when I live by my own ways, I get off course. Does anybody else testify to that? Can I tell you, I don't want to get off course. I want the fire of God to lead me and guide me and be continually present in my life. Amen? It's saying to God every day, all day, God, I'm yours, have all of me. Leviticus 6.13, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. The word continuously is another Hebrew word, and it's called tamid. And the word tamid, it's the first time in the Bible I noticed that it's ever been used, but it speaks of a ritual. In other words, when the fire is burning, we keep the fire burning. And listen to what the effect of reorienting ourselves to God daily does. In a word, it's going to keep us on course. Amen? i got a question for you. Is your fire burning and keeping you on course tonight? I hope it is. In Romans 1, most scholars agree what Paul was talking about when he said this. I appeal to you, brethren, therefore by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Other translations say this is your logical response to the fact that Christ died for you, he gave his life for you, he paid for your sins, he brought you into the kingdom. He brought you into a relationship with God like we were singing about a few minutes ago. And because he has brought you into relationship with the Father, it's reasonable. It's where That word there is literally where we get, it's translated from the Greek, logic. In other words, by the light of God's great mercy, the logical thing for us is to completely lay our lives down to God. It's just logical. It's not logical to the world because they don't understand people who are completely sold out to God. But can I tell you, it is reasonable to a Christian. Revelation 3, it says, Jesus said this. So in other words, what I'm talking about is simply God, by showing us this in Leviticus 6, is showing that if you want to have a successful Christian life where you come into heaven, like we talked about Sunday, with rewards and things not being burnt up that you thought you were building on that were great and good, can I tell you, the great's always the enemy of God. If you want that type of life, then as Jesus said in Revelation, you, I were that you were hot and cold. In other words, 
getting the fire of God in your life will erase the middle ground in your life and there won't be the middle ground of half in and half out. Half in and half out is not winning the world. Half in and half out isn't going to change our families. Half in and half out isn't going to change and shape our community. But I tell you what will change and shape our community is a bunch of people who are on fire for God who take Leviticus 6 seriously and see the spiritual implications all throughout the Bible through the New Testament that God wants us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Last time I looked at a sacrifice, it wasn't alive, right? We have way too much of our own self-will involved, don't we? We really do. I found that about myself. I lay something down to God, and what do I do? I go back and pick it up again. God, I'm offering this to you, and I pick it up again. I'm offering this to you, and I pick it up again. Are you thankful for God's grace and mercy? He's so patient with us. But I can tell you a key tonight, and I'm telling you this is a key. It really is. A key for us spiritually is if you'll get yourself just completely laid out to God and say, God, even those parts of me that I don't even realize that I haven't offered to you, help me offer to you, I'm telling you, you'll see complete revolution in your life. You really will. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, everybody say continually, offer, again, the, the word picture there is tamid, a ritual. In other words, it's not a one-time thing. It's something that I find that if I go a period of time without allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me about areas of my life that I haven't sacrificed and allowed him to crucify, then my flesh gets out of control. Is anybody with me? It's saying here to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confesses his name. Can I tell you what God's looking for tonight? You say, okay, you're talking about offering to God. You're talking about laying everything down to God. Can I tell you what he's looking for? He's looking for your praise. That's what he's looking for. Can I give you a a clue of how to evaluate your devotion to God? You ready? What's coming out of your mouth? That's either an amen or an oh my. <laughs> right? I can evaluate my devotion to God by whether I'm spending time praising Him or I'm spending time complaining to Him or to other people. Isn't that what He said right here? Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Have you ever been a place in your life where your praise was a sacrifice because you didn't feel like it and things weren't going all well and good and things weren't going great and nothing, everything seemed to be against you? And in that moment, it was a sacrifice of praise. Can I tell you, that is the kind of praise God is looking for in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the difficulty. You can tell what spiritual state that you're in because doesn't the Bible say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? So here we can say the fruit of the lips that confesses his name. Listen to me. If you want to say, what does it mean to offer God a sacrifice of praise? When you're in the difficulty or you're, I'll give you one better. If God has blessed you, a lot of times we look at the blessing and we say, man, look how well I did in that. Come on. If we could just say in the midst of anything, God, I praise you no matter what. 
God, I'm thankful no matter what. It's people come to you and they say, man, you look like you're so blessed. Can I tell you, it's not me, it's the God I serve. When you can begin to point things back to God, you know where you're at spiritually because you understand if it's good and it came into your life and you're serving and loving and God is your Father, it came from Him. It came from Him and we can offer Him the sacrifice of praise. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Don't let your fire go out. Don't let it go out. Romans 12, 11, again, don't burn out. This is the message version. I like it. Don't burn out. <laughs> keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. So what is this saying? Just... Keep your fire, just like I would wake up in the middle of the night on the couch, Brother Frank, and I would kind of feel cold and feel like there wasn't, listen to me now, there wasn't enough light anymore illuminating the room. There wasn't enough warmth illuminating the room. Can I tell you, as we go out into the world full of faith and full of God, people should experience the warmth and the light of the revelation of who God is in us and through us to everybody around us. But sometimes we need to look and check our fire and see if it's just dimmed down because I promise you, God wants you to be on fire. Why does God want you to be on fire? It's a symbol of a life that's completely consecrated and devoted to God. Completely. Here's the thing. God lights the fire, and it's your responsibility to keep it tended. God will light the fire, but it is our responsibility to keep it tended. So here's number two today. In Leviticus, we read it was imperative the fire be kept burning. It was said three times. It's an imperative. It needs to keep. So my simple point is this, number two. This was important to God because the fire was started by God. It was important to God because God was the genesis of the fire that he sent. In Leviticus 9, 23 to 24, you don't have to turn there. i got a lot more scriptures to give you. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. What are we listening to here? The command was given in 6, and God is the one that gave them the first burnt offering himself. Isn't that good of God? Can I tell you how good God is? When you just offer to him, even though it doesn't seem great or it seems measly, when God's fire comes down on it and consumes it as something acceptable and pleasing to him, then more than just one fire starts, it's something that starts and then you can continue to tend and add to it. That's, that's what God desires. In other words, if God starts a fire in your heart, listen to me, if God starts a fire in your heart, I speak from experience. Don't take it for granted. See who started it. God, if, if God himself, God who loves you so much, starts a fire in your heart, treat it as something holy. Treat it as something that God is doing in your heart and in your life. Can I tell you why? It's a potentially spiritually deadly thing to stop something that God has started. It can be a potentially spiritually deadly thing to stop something 
that God has started. You say, what are you talking about? 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 3. The boy Samuel, everybody say Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, which tells me that if the word of the Lord was rare, God had been speaking. If visions were rare, God had been given visions. If these things were rare, it meant it was a commonplace that was happening that now it wasn't. So if something has been happening in your life in the past and the fire was present and the dreams were present and the vision was present and God was close and he's not anymore, it behooves us to ask the Holy Spirit why this is not happening in our lives. Why isn't it happening in our church? Why are these things not happening? Because I promise you, the Holy Spirit, when you seek him with earnestly, earnestly and when you seek him with a pure heart, he will give you the answer. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord near where the ark of God was. So let me paint you just a little picture here. Samuel is a young, young man. Some would say probably in 8 to 10 years old at this place. We know Samuel's story. He was, he was a miracle birth that was offered to God to say, God, if you'll give me this son, I'll offer him back to you. So he's a very young man, and I find it interesting that he's there, and he's probably the one, because it says the fire was about to go out. He's probably the one that was tending to the flame, and Eli, whose vision was getting weak, was separated from, he's right, in other words, Samuel parked himself near the presence of God and was concerned about the commands of God and what God said to do, even though he was just a young boy, he still took it seriously enough that in his own self he was trying to keep it going. Are you following me? And here's God calling. Listen, it was so loud and so distinct that he got up thinking that Eli, who was in a completely another part of that area, wherever it was, I don't know if it was down the hall or if it was in another building, it was so loud and so distinct that he went to find the source of it thinking it was Eli. This is what hit me like a ton of bricks today, y'all. Mm. When you begin to disregard God and let your fire go out, it begins to affect your vision. Eli couldn't see anymore. He couldn't really even care about what God had given him the responsibility to do of keeping the fire going. Like I said before, God will start it, but we have to tend and keep it. We have to see it as serious that, God, I don't want to be a cold, lifeless Christian. But think about this for a second. He goes to Eli. And Eli was able to tell him how to hear from God. But he couldn't hear from God for himself. You talk about me just sitting in stunned silence for 30 or 40 minutes this afternoon with, with holy fear. Do you know that you can leave this place right here tonight and you can go into a bar room 
and probably meet somebody that could open the Bible and completely blow you away with their spiritual knowledge and their memorization of Scripture, but they can't show you how to live it. That is somebody that has let their fire go out. God forbid. We see here taking a lack of seriousness about our spiritual fervency Taking a lack of seriousness. And again, like I said in the first part of this, it's not about your attendance on Sundays. Help me, Lord. One of the most attended days of the week all through the southeast United States is Sunday morning. And they can quote scripture. They can tell you the Romans road. They can tell you all the things about the Bible. My question, are you living it? And are you hearing from God? Because what that is called is cultural Christianity. Is this too heavy for you tonight? Okay. It's, 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 it's a culture that this is what we do instead of this is who we are on the inside. And the ritual in religion, because that's what the word in Hebrew means, is ritual. The ritual is simply this. God, I wake up every day, morning and evening sacrifices. So I wake up in the morning and I offer to God my sacrifice of praise. I get into the evening and I offer to God my sacrifice of praise. I don't just do it on Sundays. It's something and a lifestyle that I live every single day. And let me tell you what the byproduct of that is. You begin to become consumed and Jesus begins to take up residence in you by the Holy Spirit of God. And when he begins to do that, the fire comes. If you can imagine where Samuel was in this instance... He was right at the, 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 the holy, right inside. There was a room, and then the Holy of Holies was beyond the veil, of course. You had your table of showbread, and I know most of you know this, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And then you had your altar of incense, and that's what was kept burning. And then you had a lamp. You know what amazed me? And I know you guys know this, and I laughed at myself because I'm like, I've studied this 100 times more. When I thought of this, I thought of a lamp, Right? It was 75 pounds of pure gold. It had big fingers. Everybody's seen a menorah, right? You see those in Hanukkah and they light, you know. Right? This is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. That when you keep fuel in your lamp, when you keep the Word of God going in your heart, when you keep, listen to me, when you keep close proximity to Him every single day, the illumination that happens is then you begin to hear God, you begin to get revelation from God, you begin to understand who He is in a way that people, people I could stand up here and tell you all day long, but until you meet Him and have a revelation of Him, you don't know what I'm talking about. Because the things that are said aren't in the natural, they're said in the Spirit, Right? So it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. I actually saw a little, little tiny, when I was studying today, I saw a little, little picture, you know, and it was drawn out. But it had a man fueling the lamp, and he was like this, and the lamp was like this. What that tells me is how important the Holy Spirit is in keeping your fire going. How important the Holy Spirit is in keeping you continually filled with the oil 
of God. I can't believe I've been talking this long, y'all. My goodness. Come on, somebody. I wrote this. Church, is there anything more tragic than being able to tell someone how to hear from God but not being able to hear from God yourself? Everybody say, get the fire. God is a consuming fire. And when I say get the fire, it's not to make you feel good. It's to change you. I'll tell a quick story and then we'll wrap up. I wouldn't plan on telling it. I just I just remembered that was a big that was a big theme and element of the revival that I was a part of uh, many years ago, the Brownsville revival. And when they pray over people, it wasn't these long prayers. It was just they literally walked around and most of them, that's all they ever said was they'd lay hands and a lot of times they didn't even get close enough to you to lay hands on you. I, for a period of time, helped minister as far as catching and making sure people didn't fall and hurt them. That was impossible because the power of God would move in such a way that you would have 10, 20, 30 people just fall out all over the place. But I remember this this group of, of prayer warriors from my church in Ohio. I had only been down there maybe five or six months. And they came down for a trip, and this one uh, sister brought her daughter. And her daughter was, at that time, maybe 15, 16 years old, mid-teens, 17 maybe. But I'll never forget the look on her face because she went and got prayed for. And I was up at the front kind of helping and doing something, and here she came, and she was just like this. And the tears were just streaming down her face. And she said, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And this girl was a very, very devout young lady, sought God, knew God, had experiences with God. And she didn't know. And I, me and her mom just looked down and said, honey, that's the fire. You don't have to understand it. You just have to be ready and willing to receive it. And her life radically changed. I know she's the head intercessor at a church up there in Ohio right now. You understand, getting the fire, everybody say, get the fire. Just get it, and everything else will take care of itself, amen? I want to talk about this for just a minute. In 1 Corinthians 11.31, it says, it talks about the flames. And then in 1 Corinthians 3.12, it says, if anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, Their work will be shown for what it is because the day, the day is what I was talking about Sunday. There's two judgments. I'm not talking about the great white throne judgment. It's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, when you go before Christ, it's an award ceremony. It's God rewarding you for faithfulness. It's it's God rewarding you for not living a cold, dead lifestyle but tending your fire and not letting it go out. And he says it will bring to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved. Even though only is one escaping through the flames. So when I say get the fire, it's not an experience as much as it's talking about this principle in God's word. The flames, there's actually... Flames are mentioned in heaven more times in the Bible than they're mentioned on earth, which is very interesting to me. And it tells me something that when I say get the fire, instead of it being a feeling and instead of it being an experience, which those things it can be. I just shared a story of a girl who had an experience with the fire of God. 
It's wonderful. But what I'm talking about is what this passage is talking about, the flames of heaven. The flames of heaven are something that we can invite into our life. Doesn't the Bible say, judge yourself and you will not be judged? Does anybody remember talking about that? And that's in Corinthians too, by the way. What is the principle there? The principle is that God gives us all these opportunities to get the fire in our life. And again, what does fire do? Fire consumes, fire illuminates, fire brings heat, fire will bring things to the surface. And my simple point is this. Instead of seeking an experience, ask the Holy Spirit to go ahead and turn up some heat. It's a dangerous prayer. I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Because some of you are walking through situations and circumstances that you spend all day long rebuking the devil in Jesus' holy name. And what God has allowed is you to be put in a spiritual fire so that things that don't belong are getting burned up on this side of heaven and God is doing you a Father's favor because those things that we allow God to burn up here proves that we're building on the proper foundation, which is Christ Jesus himself. When I walk through a difficulty, when I walk through a fire, when I walk through a hard time and circumstance, I always evaluate and say, God, is this spiritual warfare? Do I need to take authority over the enemy that you've given me by your word and by the fact that I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me? Do I need to take authority over this? Or God, do I need to pray and understand what it is you're trying to work out of Jason Hanks and burn up now because, God, I've asked you to go ahead and take care of it on this side of heaven so that you don't have... He's going to take care of it, church. I would rather he take care of it here. Are you tracking with me? Than take care of it on... The scripture is very clear. It will be burned up, but God will allow the fire to come and burn it up now rather than on the other side. Are you tracking with me? So to end this, get the fire. Secondly, simple, tend the fire. Preached about it back in October, but just quickly. To have any fire, you have to have the material, you have to have oxygen, and you have to have heat. Can I tell you, you, when you say, God, don't put me in the fire, come on, I don't pray that. But he'll do it anyway. I learned that. He will, won't he? Don't pray that necessarily. But the the ignition, the heat, it's him. Our God is a when you when he is the ignition, can I tell you what the source is? It's you. The source is when you offer to God as a living sacrifice, you are the source and and, I, and I'll tell you what the oxygen is. Because God began to speak to me Monday night and I haven't fully prayed it out and thought it out and maybe a sermon down the road. But this is more a prophetic word for, I think, where we are as a church and maybe where you are in your personal relationship with the Lord, your, your everyday coming and going and just relating to him. And what he began to speak to me and the first word he said is he said, I'm brooding. And I thought, ooh, I have teenagers. I know what brooding, I think, means. It means you're grumpy or you're brood, or brooding. And he said, no, 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 no. Brooding means you're hovering. When the dove hovers, 
he's giving space for grace. And he'll send the ignition for the fire in your life. He will. And the oxygen, you have to have oxygen to have fire. If you want to shut off a fire, shut off its oxygen source. Some of you have shut yourself off from the Holy Spirit. And he's been brooding. He's giving space for grace, which means time for repentance. This Monday before last, that was the theme and the word that we had was repent. It's a very heavy, somber type of service. Can I tell you, we've taken repentance out of the church. For the last two years, have we heard nothing from God? Have we heard nothing from God? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There, there, there is a prophetic John the Baptist moment coming in our world and in the church. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I don't get up here and say this stuff because I don't have anything better to do. I would much rather have you shouting me down tonight, and I could do that. But when the Holy Spirit speaks and says, listen, I am gathering my people as a, as a, as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. In Psalm 91, we dwell. He who makes, come on. He who makes the Most High His dwell. You have to choose to be on fire. You have to choose to have fervency in your life. And how do I know if I have fervency? Listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Is it complaining and, oh, bless God, I just don't like how cold that church is or how hot, whatever it is. That pastor. Those people, those people at work. I'm telling you what's going on in your heart. You can quote all kinds of scriptures. I'm talking about what's coming out of your mouth. And he's hovering in the oxygen. Listen, the oxygen that he's giving. Is he giving space for grace? In the other scripture that I thought of, and I preached on it before, but the other scripture I thought of is it says, as a mother eagle, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, hovers over its nest. And the picture there, do you know what a mother eagle does when the bird is getting ready to take flight? They've been down in that nest for so long. You know what the first thing they do is they begin to pick out everything that's comfortable. There's rabbit fur and there's feathers and there's hay and there's straw. And those little eagles are just all down in there and they're all nestled down. And do you know what? Those little eagles would stay there for the rest of their natural born life. But at the bottom of the nest are thorns. Eagle knows what she's doing. God knows what he's doing in your life. And they start to get uncomfortable. Well, this wasn't as comfortable as what it was before. Can I tell you? The place that you're in isn't as comfortable as what you... You're like, why did I move from Atlanta to Homosassa, Florida? Where am I? The thorns are poking, baby. But here's the beautiful thing. It says, as that eagle... What an eagle does is it begins to flap its wings. Oxygen. The sound of a mighty, it wasn't a mighty rushing wind, it was the sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it was as tongues of fire appeared over each one of them, and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost. She flaps her wings, and here's what's happening. All the feathers that don't belong there, everything that's going to keep that eagle from flying, ladies, is getting blown off of the eagle so that it can get up on the edge of the, of the, of the nest and jump off. God's calling you to have new dreams and new visions and jump off into what he has for you, but some of you he's hovering over and he's... Bru- he's when, 
The other place he hovered was in Genesis 1. He hovered over the face. He separates light from darkness. If there's anything God's doing right now in my life, and I hope in the life of this congregation, is pointing out to us areas that are dark that he wants to deal with and areas that we walk in the light that he wants to continue to encourage us to walk in. Fire. So get it, tend it, and here's my final thing if you'd stand tonight. Spread it. Everybody say spread it. It's not the fire that you receive that makes a difference. It's the fire. It's like nuclear fusion. They call nuclear fusion excess energy. That's what it is. It's it, it's a it's a. Do you understand? There's a there's a fusion between you and God's spirit. When you really get on fire for Him, it literally is a synergy. And that synergy between you and him is you, morning, noon, and night, devote yourself. If you said, man, Lord, I devoted myself this morning at 9, but it's 1, and I've already let this slip, and I've done this, and I've said that. Can I tell you, his mercies are new in that moment. You repent. The Bible encourages us to walk in repentance. Walk in it. Turn from it. And if it's in the afternoon, say, God, I know. Here's what we do. We get so down on ourselves that we give up. You win if you don't give up. You stay on fire if you don't give up. And I'll tell you a spiritual principle too. A coal that you take out of my fireplace, when I was young, you take a coal out. I was a borderline arsonist, y'all. Because I would take a coal and be like, where can I start a fire tonight? Matches. Y'all think I'm cold? I'm kidding, and I told this story before. We had a wheat field behind my house. I caught that whole bad boy. It was acres of wheat that was growing between me and my best friend's house in the back. <laughs> Shocked I wasn't put in prison as a young man. The tendency of fire is to spread. I learned that as a 13-year-old boy. Quickly. I'm not talking about wheat that was green. I'm talking about wheat that was ready to be harvested. Like, and the wind was blowing. Oxygen. The material was there. Can I tell you something? When you come together with other believers, you are stoking your fire. Because an ember that's taken off the fire and put off by itself, it dies. That's why people, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Bless God. You won't be an effective one. Because I don't know about you, but when I look around the world, I get discouraged sometimes. The condition of it, the things going on in it, everything else. When I come in here with you and I sing good, good father, when I come in here with you and see the fire that is going on in your life, guess what? It makes me want to stoke my fire up even hotter. This is a completely different church than it was five years ago. Completely. It's because God has been gracious to send us the fire. If you're willing. That's the other thing about fire. Can I tell you today? You can be an Eli and separate yourself off and let your vision go dim, or you can be a Samuel that hears God's voice in this season. So Samuel, get up. i got a plan and a purpose for you. Let's pray for the fire. Father, Lord Jesus, tonight, God, do not let us be those who can tell people how to hear God's voice, but we can't hear it for ourselves. God forbid. God, don't let us be cold and dry and dead. Don't let us be lukewarm. Don't let us be half in and half out. God is a church.
And God, as the people of God who are gathered here tonight, Father, we say set a fire down in our souls that we can't contain and we can't control. Start a fire in us, Jesus. Burn us up for your glory. God, we're reminded every day that you want to consume everything of us so that you can make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. God, that's our prayer. That's our prayer. The fire that we receive is to burn up us, God, and we pray that Jesus would shine and illuminate through us. Give us a revelation of who you are tonight. Let that fire... God, as you are brooding, God, as you are hovering, God, as you are speaking, let there be light, even in the darkest places of people's minds and in their hearts. God, as a pastor, I prophesy, let there be light tonight, Jesus. God, we hear your command in Romans that says, it is our logical, it is logical to present our bodies a living sacrifice, God. We say tonight, God, burn up everything of us. God, put us in a place where those things are burnt up so that, God, you can be all you can be through us tonight, Jesus. We dedicate ourselves to that tonight. We dedicate ourselves to that tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God that's like the lampstand that shines. You are the glory that was above the very ark of the covenant, above the cherubim, above the angels that were there. Let that glory, Father, shine in our lives, Father. Let your goodness shine in our lives, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We bless your name, Jesus. God, we don't want, we do not want to be the church or the people God, that sees things burn up on the day we stand before you. God, we pray that you would identify and show us what the precious materials that you are building. God, I know what the precious materials are. Their faith, their hope, and their love. So, God, I pray right now you increase faith. God, let's stir it up in each and every person. Stir up those gifts and the callings that you've placed within people that they thought were cold and dead. You thought God was done with you tonight. God is hovering and brooding and he is blowing with the wind of the Holy Spirit upon the embers of what he has placed within you. Stir, stir, stir it up tonight, God. God, for hope. God, those who walk in here, walked in here and they feel like hope has just dissipated and gone. God, fill us with hope tonight. And above all, above all, God, may we be people that you that allow you to burn up every ounce of any hate in our hearts. God, we're not foolish enough tonight to think that we don't have some of that in us, God, that we don't have hatred for people that aren't like us, people that don't look like us, smell like us, any of that, God. Burn it up by your fire, Jesus, because we want to be a people who are known, known by our love, Lord. That's how they'll know we're, we're your disciples, by our love for one another. God, I bind every foul spirit of division. I bind every foul spirit tonight, God of disunity, and bring love as a bond. Bring love, God, and knit our hearts together for one purpose, God, so that the fire can spread throughout this community, throughout these churches, throughout the pastors, God. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you join your faith together with mine? And God just reminded me in this moment, there's a precious pastor up in, up in Crystal River, the Four Square Church, Pastor Johnny Hagar. And Johnny Hager was, he, he's been the most welcoming person in this county. He's, he's reached out to me, checked on me when I first came here, and I got to know him. And he is a precious man of God, and he's up at the emergency room. He had open-heart surgery last week, and uh, he had to be taken back in this afternoon. I just got a text before I came in, and uh, he needs a miracle. There's a lot of things going on that are complications from the surgery. Can we just bind our hearts together in this moment? Father. We intercede and bombard heaven right now for Pastor Johnny. God, we know you have your hand on he and Liz. We pray for his wife, Liz, that her faith would just rise. The others that are surrounding him in their church, God, this is their shepherd. This is the man of God that you've placed there. So, God, we rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. We rebuke his hand, and we ask, God, that your hand would come and bring healing that by your stripes he is healed. Give the doctors wisdom beyond themselves. Give them, give the nurses and everybody that comes in contact with Pastor John, God, would you give them favor and would you give them grace upon their lives? We ask you, Father, tonight that you would strengthen him in his physical body. Let even his faith, even though, God, he is there being tended to, let his faith generate and be stirred up where he is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Healed in Jesus' name. Healed. Father, I bless the people of God tonight, Father, as they go, that they are blessed going in and blessed going out, that they would be blessed in their homes and blessed at work. Father, protect and watch over our families. God, be with us and send your, your guardian angels around each and every home and person that's represented here and by the extension of our church family. Lord, watch over until you bring us back together at the appointed time. Father, tonight... We just say, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for meeting here with us and delivering your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. Love you all.